Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi there, and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw from Sex and the City and apply them to modern life and love. This week, you are joined by your very own Bunny McDougal, Juna Dawson, and that wonderful bone, Dylan B. Jones. <laughs> I don't remember. Hi, Dylan. Hi, I don't remember the bone. The bone is the model that Stanford is oh, in love with. Oh, yeah, with the cheekbones. With the beautiful nose, with the amazing side profile. Yeah. Um, How's things going? Not so bad, thank you very much. All all is fairly steady in my world. Obviously, we have to put things on like a standard deviation where fine in 2020 is very different from a fine in any other year, let's be perfectly honest. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so we're we're already on episode three of series three. Attack of the Five Foot Ten Woman. Yeah. Do you want to go and launch in with your potted synopsis, Dylan? Totally, yeah. So the main antagonist of the story this week is Natasha. <laughs> I'm glad that we're pronouncing her name with that extra R. Oh, Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. Natasha. Because yeah. N- Natasha like doesn't sound as threatening, does it, as Natasha? Not nearly. Um, yeah, so she is, well, she is, it's uh, the main theme of the episode really is about her being threatening and how mm-hmm. Carrie is threatened by her and how, and you know, how like some of the other ladies are threatened by other women, which is an interesting yes. hook. Um, yeah, so Carrie's main storyline is Natasha comes back into the picture after she sees, after the, the ladies see an article about Natasha and Big getting married in the paper. Uh, mm-hmm. Samantha... I, I, love the, I love the bit where they say, um, you know, and this is why I hate the Sunday Times. Why do you hate the Sunday Times, Dylan? I hate the Sunday Times because of its weekly assassination pieces against the trans community. How about you? Oh my God, same. That's such a coincidence. I was actually Funny that, I can't imagine. <laughs> do you know what? I think we can just say, like, the British press, but <laughs> that's a whole... That's a whole nother thing. Oh, the Sunday Times is especially poisonous. I, I literally, I on a Sunday morning, I dread opening Twitter because I know that one of them will have concocted some scaremongering piece about how trans people are the end of civilization. Yeah. I mean, read the room. It's 2020. <laughs> we have actual demagogues on the rise and they're worried about trans people swimming in the Hampstead ponds. I mean, perspective. <laughs> oh my God. Do you know who else has really lost the plot? The Telegraph. 
I mean, they were always a bit... <laughs> they've, really, they've really fucking gone off the deep end, like, even by their standards. I mean, anyway. the nice thing about both The Times and The Telegraph is that you literally have to subscribe to read their nonsense anyway. Yeah. I mean, that... we, You know, I can remember when we were all really angry about paywalls. Oh, no, no, yeah. it's like an eye condom. It's a brain condom that protects you from their poison. So, yeah, so um, Miranda uh, gets a housekeeper. We meet Magda for the first mm-hmm. time. We love Magda. We do. We lost the actress last year. Lynn Cohen passed away um, towards the end of last year. Yeah. Um, which I was very sad about because yeah. I adore Magda. Am I right in saying she's in it right to the end? Indeed, she's in both films as well. Yeah. Who? I mean, like... I love that, but also who'd have thought? <laughs> I think as well, it's, it's, it, the, I mean, we'll talk more about Magda a bit later, but I think in, in some ways, Miranda's relationship with Magda is one of the most compelling relationships in the last five years of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And it's interesting because in this episode, Miranda, part of Miranda's issue is she's like, I don't need a mother, but Magda mm. sort of does become a bit of a motherly figure to her, doesn't she? And I think as well, that's a really natural evolution. When they invented the Magda character, I strongly think they weren't thinking that she would be around for five years. Oh, totally, yeah. Um, And that actually the evolution of her character probably, well, to me anyway, it feels very organic. Um, And then Samantha sexually assaults someone. She'll, yeah. Say, <laughs> so, woke, woke Charlotte, fear not, she'll be along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Samantha has a, has a, a commit, say, it's funny, the episode synopsis on Sky said, Samantha commits a sexual faux pas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not a faux pas. Sexual assault, it's not, it's not a whoopsie. Um, and Charlotte, quite an interesting storyline, if executed mm. in a slightly silly way. Charlotte has issues with body image in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Shall we Shall we start with Carrie? It feels yeah. like a logical place to begin. And this week she poses, are there certain women in New York who exist only to make us feel bad? So that's the question that we will endeavour to answer this week. And I think initially, when I sat down to watch this episode... You know, some episodes you really look forward to watching. Yeah. This one, this one wasn't high up on my list. However, actually, to say nothing major happens, there is so much for us to talk about with this one. Because I think, actually, like a lot of Sex in the City, they've skimmed a stern over the top of some really big feminist issues in this one. Oh, yeah, completely. Yeah. And I, I would like to start off, if I may, by presenting my argument for the defence of Natasha Preston. <laughs> okay. I mean, like, she, she hasn't really done anything wrong, has she? <laughs> and <laughs> she never does anything wrong. And that's what I want to talk about. Because I think it's really, really interesting the way her character is um, treated during season three. We don't we don't see anything of Natasha outside of season three. Yeah. Um, and she is a much maligned character in that she is introduced to us, first of all, as a 20-something stick figure with no soul. There's a Carrie's, Carrie's words, not mine. Yeah. Um, she is a 25-year-old fashion buyer at Ralph Lauren, as far as we know it. So she has the same job as Rachel Green in Friends. Yeah. I wonder if that was a coincidence. I don't know. And she has committed the mortal sin of meeting and marrying Carrie's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> now, we need to stress that when 
Big met Natasha in Paris. They were both single. Carrie was no longer on the scene and indeed in a different continent. Yeah. And it always struck me as slightly odd that, like, are we meant to hate Natasha? I mean, she's she's tall and beautiful and 25 years old. I think probably quite a few women watching it did hate Natasha. I think that, in fact, I think I remember watching it with my mum and my mum being like, oh yeah, she's so perfect, isn't she? And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, but I think that's... I think that's okay. I think we all have that a little bit, don't we? Like, we all have that, like... Uh, there's always someone who's, like, really perfect and really polished and have the life that we want. And we know that we... Perhaps the issue is Sex and the City, they haven't quite made it clear enough. I think the intention is to say, like, yes, we know Carrie and her friends are being a little bit childish. Um, I'm not sure if, it, if that makes it clear enough, because it's fine to hate Natasha or whoever the Natasha incarnation is. It's fine to hate them as long as you know that you're not really entitled to and you know that you're being a bit silly. Yeah, and I, you know, Carrie's mission to impress Natasha. So as the plot goes on, Carrie finangles her way into a Women in the Arts luncheon where she intends to wow Natasha and then skipping straight to the end of the episode she really brutally kind of takes Natasha down for making a typo using the run kind of there in her in her very polite thank you note yeah. you know I don't, I don't send thank you notes <laughs> and it just seems to me that as you know back way back then when I first watched it I played along and I understood that you know we're meant to hate this bitch because you know she's young and beautiful and has married Carrie's ex-boyfriend but as an adult I've really put my thinking cup on and not once does Natasha do anything wrong not she's, a single thing she's also and in fact, she's also like a younger woman than them um by so quite, they should know better yeah by quite a few years I think they mentioned she's 25 mm-hmm. and Carrie and her mates are like early 30s which isn't mm. a huge gap but when you're 25 it is I think people start maturing when they hit 26 27 um, and Big Big is more than 15 years older than her. So what we're dealing with here is a very young woman who has been... Do we, do we go so far as to say manipulated by a much older, very wealthy man? Uh, um, yeah, maybe. Does, does Natasha know what she's getting into? Um, you know, is she one of those women who... Well, while they're reading the Times, Miranda makes the point that all these women quit their jobs as soon as they get married. You know, was, was that Natasha's... End game? Was she just looking for a rich husband? Do we do we give her more credit than that? But I think for me, the big thing, and really, this very much applies much more to Carrie's storyline in this episode than it does the rest of the girls, which is Carrie is completely playing into the hands of the patriarchy, in which she is taking her anger and frustration at Big and leveling nearly all of it at. Natasha, who is also a woman, yeah, you know, who, you know, the only one person has hurt Carrie and it's big. You know, Natasha hasn't done anything. If Carrie had had a fucking clue, she would have at least acknowledged that. She would have acknowledged that, you know, I'm not angry at her, I'm angry at him. Yeah. But she doesn't ever do that. 
It's reminiscent, actually. Yeah, to be honest, I hadn't actually even thought of that until you just brought it up. It's reminiscent, actually, of, like... I don't know if it's still... I don't really watch, like, Corrie and EastEnders anymore. But I remember, like, when I was a kid on Corrie, like, Sally Webster... Like, Kevin, like, cheated on Sally. And Mm -hmm. instead of, like yelling at Kevin, she, like, went over and beat up the woman that he, like, slept with. And it's like, it's not, it's nothing to do with it. Like, it's not her fault. (laughs) You know, exactly. Um, I mean, if you know that your partner is married, possibly you're playing with fire. But in in this instance, Big Big and Natasha were single. Yeah. And it it just got me thinking a lot. And in a much more organic way than we did last week, I am going to link this to Emily in Paris, <laughs> where my biggest issue with Emily in Paris actually isn't the fact she is an insane child woman skipping around Paris in high heels on cobblestones. It's this. It's <laughs> yeah. the very antagonistic relationship between Emily and her female boss, uh-huh. um, which... I thought we'd maybe moved past that. Women at each other's throats was very much a staple of shows like Desperate Housewives, Gossip Girl. But, and actually indeed, I think Gossip Girl sometimes thrived when when Blair and Serena were enemies. Yeah. Um, and so I can see why it makes for good drama. And, you know, Emily and her boss, it's very Devil Wears Prada, but um, it just, it feels... It's a sexist it, trope. Yeah, and the fact that women are encouraged to be in competition with each other is a tool of the patriarchy. Yeah. And, you know, there was hints of it, you know, at the scene, and I thought that was a wonderful scene where Charlotte tries to talk Carrie down off the ledge of of a dessert. And Carrie says, you know, you are intelligent and glamorous and amazing and beautiful. And she's what? Married. Yeah. And I thought that was incredible because like Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie said in We Should All Be Feminists, you know, girls are encouraged to compete, not for jobs or accomplishments, which I think can be a good thing, but for the attention of men. Mm. And, and that's something that I think as far women in New York, they, it would have been cool if they'd discussed that. You know, which is kind of like, you know, Natasha and Carrie have been placed in a competition that doesn't really exist. There are enough men for all the women of Manhattan. And yet their value is being attached to their marriage, their marriageability kind of. And and somehow Natasha is better than Carrie because she won. She got the prize. She actually locked him down. Yeah. And the thing about uh, an issue that I had with that as well is like, the the winning was getting married and that is mm. so, that is so date apart from anything else that is so dated now isn't it like so reductive why does it you know doesn't matter <laughs> and that's that i think that's why my favorite scene is that scene with charlotte in the cafe whereby nobody uses the word feminism yeah. but you know she she commands that carrie sort of recognize her value um, as um, a woman, so Charlotte is Charlotte is such a good friend to Carrie in this episode. Um, Several times, yes. Yeah, like that first. I was actually really touched, maybe because of the world we're living in at the moment, and and because of how important it is to support each other, uh, particularly our best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really touched when she like went over after brunch, like basically like followed Carrie home with the newspaper and was like, "I'm going to take this," and like wouldn't leave her alone by herself. And then was like, come on, let's sit and read it because you're going to do it anyway. Like, yeah, she was 10 out of 10, 10 points to Charlotte. That is excellent friending. And I I would hope that someone would do the same for me. Yeah, totally. 
Um, let's take a short break now and have some messages from our sponsors and we'll be right back in two minutes to catch up with what the rest of the girls are up to yes yes planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week we are discussing season three, episode three, Attack of the Five Foot Ten Woman. Okay, so I think we've established, we've pretty much answered our question, which is if there are women who exist only to make you feel bad, the problem is the patriarchy and not the woman herself. <laughs> you are not in competition. If we didn't live in a patriarchy, if every woman could achieve as well as any other woman, like no no two men have ever felt in competition with each other for women, jobs, success. You know, if we made more room for all women, then we wouldn't need to see women as competition. I also think that because I'm having all these thoughts now that you've now that you've like mentioned it and, and mm-hmm. had that perspective on it. The fact that the question in the episode is gendered says it all. It's not are there people in New York? It's are there women? I think that says mm. it all, doesn't it? On, on a light note, let's. Well, actually, no, it's not. Should we, should we deal with Samantha and sexual assault first? Yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> let's. I mean, let's, let's go from bad to worse. Um, Samantha, yeah. Kevin. So she, the the women have their first trip to a spa. Yeah. Um, which is which is lovely and very bougie. Um, Samantha, who has never been short of sex, um, decides it's time to pay for sex. Yes, and a woman, another um, member of the spa's clientele, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. informs Samantha that Kevin goes down on you. Kevin is one of the masseuses. And mm-hmm. the woman who tells her, I was trying to think who she reminds me of, and then realised it's Sherry Blair. She really reminds ah! me of Sherry Blair. <laughs> oh my God, Sherry Blair is being eaten out by her masseur. I mean, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. <laughs> um, who, who knew? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then... Yeah, Samantha... Immediately books herself in. Yeah, and takes matters into her own hands. Massage 
can be quite sexy. I mean, if I if I pay for a massage, I make sure I go for like one of those like really hardcore ones mm. where it feels like you have been literally attacked by rocks. Yeah. Kind of I, I do not want to be rubbed and stroked. I want to be pulverized, you I, know. I really want that thing with the sucker cups. Oh, I don't know if I fancy that, because I think I feel strange about being made to look like a squid or an octopus. <laughs> Do you know, I've, like... been, I've never had any kind of like massage or spa day ever. Really? Oh, Dylan, that's made me a bit sad because it is <laughs> absolute decadence and it, it's wonderful. And I will, this is not paid for content, but I would recommend, I don't know if they're open at the moment under current restrictions yeah but i had one of the most beautiful massages and it's such an experience at lush at their um headquarters and i know they do this at certain larger branches around the uk but lush on oxford street if you go it's their head office and down in the basement they've kind of converted it into this incredible like fantasia where it's not like going to a sterile clinic like the one that we saw in this episode it's it's been decorated to look like your grandma's house wow it's really cute and really cozy and they theme all the different massages so i had a nautical themed massage (laughs) where they play sea shanties and pump like kelp and seaweed smells into the room (laughs) It was very extra and it was wonderful. <laughs> that sounds, that actually sounds quite surreal. <laughs> it, do you know, it really was. You can, you can have, I mean, clearly they're for the tourists, but you can have one where you listen to the music of the Beatles. Could you get like a heavy metal one? <laughs> I don't think that was on the list, if, if I'm honest. But, but I quite like the fact that there was some theatre to it, which I really, really liked. That oh, was totally. And obviously they use, they use Lush products as well, which is all really nice. It's not paid for content. I just really enjoyed it. But what the danger is, if in your life you have experienced sexy massage, there is the danger that any massage could become potentially arousing. Yeah. So you can understand why massage is one of those grey areas. And obviously, the whole stereotype of the happy ending has become kind of ubiquitous. And of course, some sex workers do offer massage with with sort of sexual features. Um, However... We need to make the distinction in this case between sex workers and body workers. And not all body workers are selling sex. And as far as Samantha knew, she was only paying for a massage. She was not implicitly, Mm. sorry, she wasn't explicitly paying for sex. So she she had no right to touch Kevin. Yeah. And she also made a very un-Samantha and very uninvolved assumption because he had done sex work for someone else she automatically assumed that he would want to do it with her no and i think i think i wonder if we've come obviously this episode went out what 20 years ago i think we've come a long way in our understanding of sex workers rights and what what constitutes sex work but also as well the notion that you know it doesn't happen very often but women can sexually assault men and i'm always very very careful when talking about this and I, i think you know, twice in the last couple of weeks, I've seen features on the news about men who've been trapped in domestic violence situations. Mm. And while un- 
undeniably that is something that occurs, it's like 2% of all cases of domestic violence or something. Okay, it's definitely in the majority. I need to get the exact figures on that. But where's that report on the news? You know, the millions and millions of women who during lockdown have been trapped in domestic violence situations around the world. You know, that hasn't really made the news. Whereas the relative handful of men who've been in domestic violence situations has made the national news. Yeah, interesting. So, you know, so while Kevin is in a minority of men who is being sexually assaulted, Samantha does sexually assault him. We can't really get away from it. It's also, it's interesting. It's it's another one of those Sex in the City things that speaks volumes about the time. And I'm sure no one batted an eyelid at the time. The fact that it was, oh, it was a punchline, wasn't it? Um, Mm. Yeah, which is, yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, I suppose. Um, Helena Rubinstein is a civilised place for civilised people. (laughs) So I wanted to get those statistics because I think when we're talking about domestic violence, that's really important. Yeah. Um, A 2019 study showed that 7.5% of women um, in the UK have experienced domestic abuse compared to 3.8% of men. Yeah. So the odds of being a woman in a domestic violence scenario are much, much higher. Yeah, more than double, yeah. More than double, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Actually, no, it's not more than double. That's how good my maths is. Welcome to the maths <laughs> corner with Juno Dawson. Good God. <laughs> but I wanted, to, I wanted to get that right because I don't want to fuck around with shit like that, so. Yeah, what are we supposed to glean from Samantha's storyline? Because we're such killjoys, aren't we? There's probably <laughs> people who watched this episode and thought that was like, lol, she touched his dick. And then, like, like Maleficent at the christening, Dylan and Juno <laughs> slithering. Like, were you laughing at that, madam? You can't oh enjoy my God. that. Um, Support sexual abuse, do you, madam? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think an important caveat is, like, we are here to, like, pick everything apart to, like, the smallest possible detail. That's the point of this podcast. That's what and, we're here for, exactly. And we're here to give every possible take, and I think our listeners know that by now. So, but yeah, still have fun watching it. It's fine. And it's of its time, and yeah, it's Sex in the City. We love it. <laughs> Samantha, it's, Samantha is lucky that Helena Rubenstein did not call the police, <laughs> but then as, as it transpires, Kevin may or may not have been sleeping with Helena Rubenstein as well, and possibly everybody is in the wrong in this case. Also, I feel like Kevin was okay. It's true. I think Kevin's fine. And Kevin is selling sex to other women, um, which doesn't make it okay. No, that still doesn't make it okay for Samantha to assault him. No, basically. And she's really, really lucky they didn't call the police. I just mean he seemed, but mind you, we don't know, do we, inside Kevin's head. He looked okay at the end. Yeah. Um, Um, Let's move on to the cheerier stories. Because we've dealt with with the feminist problematic one and the sexual assault storyline. So let's move on to Charlotte, who I think her storyline is something that probably resonates with a whole bunch of women and a whole bunch of men as well. Yeah. Which is because... Dylan, I did not grow up in a naked house, but I have a feeling maybe you did grow up in a naked house. Yeah, I did. Mm, There's a surprise. (laughs) Um, No, not, it wasn't like a naked house. I'm not sure, I'm not sure like what the definition of a naked house is. Did Um, your parents walk around naked in front of you? Um, occasionally, yeah. That's a naked house. <laughs> a naked house. That's and, a naked house. <laughs> yeah, so I guess so. And I am still. I'm. I'm fine being naked. Um, 
in public. Not like on the street, but... (laughs) (laughs) Good. We're all grateful for that. Thank you. But yeah, in locker rooms and stuff. Yeah, it's okay. Oh my God. No, see, bing, bong, bing. Here we are in Trans Corner once again. Yes, yes. Despite the fervour of TERFs, um, I do not know of a trans person, trans man or trans woman who would in any way, shape or form want to be naked in public places. Yeah. This notion that trans people are desperate to get into your locker rooms so we can parade around and like <laughs> rub our naked bodies up against the tile. You know, it's the most dangerous stereotype about trans people. But I will say this pre-transition, I was not a naked person either. Mm. I was that person who would take my little towel into the cubicle and wrap the t- I was basically Charlotte. <laughs> and that I was I was never gonna although outside of a sexual space. So if I was in so going way, way back, you know, on that couple of occasions that I visited a gay sauna, oh, yeah. I would have looked more mental if I wasn't naked. Yeah. So, you know, you would look insane. But certainly in gyms, swimming baths, beaches. Um, in fact, that one time I went to a nudist beach, I wouldn't get nude. Mm. So I, I, well, I was that outsider who just even wouldn't get naked. And probably for the same reason as Charlotte, you know, I grew up with crippling body dysmorphia. You know, I didn't get the body I should have got. So, yeah. So, I, yeah. And there was, you know, the last few years before I transitioned, I really threw myself into getting what I considered to be the ideal male body. And I was at the gym five times a week. I basically developed an eating disorder where I only ate chicken and broccoli and protein shakes. And even then, I could only really. Oh, it was very strange. I could recognize that my body was kind of like traditionally hot. Yeah. But it didn't feel like my body. Yeah. Very, very weird. So whereas now, because of the fevered hate around trans bodies, I would never, ever go naked in a locker room. You know, I've been legally a woman for two or three years now, but I still wouldn't be striding around a locker room naked ever. So, you know, I just wouldn't. So I really understand where Charlotte's coming from. But I do similarly, I also appreciate that lovely last scene where um, Charlotte's very, very worried about her thighs, but then a lovely woman in the steam room at the end said, oh, I would kill for your breasts. Yeah, yeah. And that's lovely because we all have parts of our bodies that we would change and we all have parts of our bodies that we're proud of. Like, you know, I will all day long bask in compliments about my mane of hair, for example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just a nice, um, just a nice storyline that like everyone can relate to on some level, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Affirming stuff. And I do, and like I said, my favourite scene in this episode was the one where they were in the dessert shop and Charlotte gives... Carrie, that like amazing kind of like pep rally about the wonder that is Carrie. And Carrie says, now, why can't you do that for yourself? Yeah. And that is, you know, that is, you know, it's become like the mantra of like the body positivity movement, which is, you know, treat yourself like you would treat your best friend. You know, we are always so critical of ourselves, you know, and I could sit here and reel off a list of things about my body that I hate. But, you know, would I ever say that to you? Would I ever say, you know, would I ever criticize you in a way that I would criticize myself? And no, you know, and so I think treat yourself like your baby sister is, is good advice for all of us, I think. 
Yeah, that's a great way of that's a great way of looking at it. Um, I think particularly with our bodies, I think like someone would be lying if they said they were never critical of their body when they looked in the mirror. Maybe, maybe there are people who who aren't, um, but I think most people are, aren't they? I'm I've this just this week I'm sort of taking control of my body again having had because I, do, I don't feel comfortable in going back to the gym right now yeah and I've done a lot of yoga during lockdown but um like I really wanted to sort of take control so I think you're going to really like this Dylan I've developed my own workout regime I'm calling it Juno Dawson 620 oh. and I know right oh my god and please it, please release a VHS for fifty pounds, Dylan, I will let you into my pyramid scheme now, um, and then you can sell it on to other people. Um, I'm starting my own MLM um, now. I it's basically six exercises, twenty repetitions, six days a week. Wow! So that's yeah, good. Juno Dawson six twenty, and it's all because basically I have much like Charlotte, I have no ass. I have the flattest ass in the world. You could serve sushi on it, and oh my god, um, same. We're in the flat ass mm. crew. So I'm determined to develop an ass. So it's six exercises that are going to give me buns of steel. I'm picturing you in like um, neon, neon lycra and a headband and a ponytail. No, it's incredibly low maintenance because if exercise becomes faffy, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So it's literally six exercises I can do before bed. Oh, fab, yeah. Juno Dawson 620. Um, if there's interest in Juno Dawson 620, I will find a way to monetize it. Um, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't 100%. I wanted to take control of my body as well after like a, quite an excessive summer in terms of like food and drinking. So mm-hmm. I, um, I've been going for walks. <laughs> and surprisingly enough, it hasn't made much difference yet. Um, but I'm sure it will. <laughs> could, could you turn it into a little jog? Yeah, I think I might do that. Yeah, if the, mm. if the fancy takes me. <laughs> um, mm. um, got, to, got to start somewhere. I, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, massive shout out to Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. That shit got me through the worst part of lockdown I did. Um, she's an amazing American yoga teacher. She's basically the queen of YouTube. Yeah. And she does um, like these exercises called 30 days of yoga. And I did two lots of 30 and those 60 days were basically the worst part of lockdown. And yeah. it was something, it became very much a part of my routine and I really loved it. And let's finish up with Miranda and Magda. Yeah. Again, not 100% sure. I, I like I, I like Magda and I liked their little exchanges, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure if there's really a point to this storyline. Um... Because because in this first one, so I wonder if Magda initially was being brought in for one episode because yeah. she's, she is very critical of Miranda's lifestyle, which I kind of ties that. back to the question. I got that vibe, yeah. I quite like it when Magda says, God bless you, and Miranda's like very polite but very firm and says... I don't need God to bless me. I am my own person, but thank you very much. Um, Very Miranda. It's difficult. I mean, I will say, um, delving into our lives, that when we bought our house last year, Max and I decided for the sake of £22 a week, we would like to pay for the privilege of never falling out about cleaning. Yeah. So we decided to get a cleaner and we have an amazing woman called Andrea. She's 
so good and so lovely. And she has become like a little part of the gang. Again, we'll talk about class a different time, I'm sure. But, um, well, we already have talked about class. But, you know, my mum was a cleaner, you know, because we didn't have any money. So I felt this very crippling middle-class guilt about taking on a housekeeper. Like, I felt like I was betraying my past or betraying my roots or something. Yeah. But then I'm a freelancer. Any hour that I spend working on household tasks is an hour that I'm not writing. Yeah. You know, so I'm literally losing money through cleaning. And this is a feminist issue. Cleaning and housework is a feminist issue because we know that women statistically do a lot more domestic labor and it's unpaid. So women in 2020 are still doing unpaid labor that men are not doing. Yeah. You know, the responsibility still disproportionately falls on women. So I was like, well, if it's going to disproportionately fall on a woman, I would rather it was a woman who was being paid. Yeah. And actually, Andrea is studying for a degree with the Open University, so she cleans so she can work around her studies. Yeah. So, and that was how I kind of got over my weird middle class guilt. And I'm (laughs) sure there will be people listening to this and thinking, you bougie fucking witch. (laughs) And you're probably right. But I also think that, um, yeah, and and I don't need to tell you this, because from what you've just said, you know this. But I think you're you're overthinking it a little bit. Like, you know, it's it's people do jobs and the world goes round. Mm-hmm. Is it's, that a really... We're all part of an... Well, it's an ecosystem. And yeah. I think this notion of an ecosystem has been talked about more as we've watched coronavirus threaten the ecosystem, which is, you know, all those prets in London were there as part of an ecosystem and now the ecosystem has fallen to pieces. So we have 17,000 prets in London for no one. You know, they're not serving anyone, kind of. Um, So the ecosystem is probably going to change forever. But I completely understand why Miranda has taken on a housekeeper. She is a busy partner in a law firm. Um, And it's just about... Finding the cleaner, I guess, who suits you. But I do. I mean, Magda. And it was interesting. I know a little factette, which is they had to reshoot the last shot, which is, you know, where Magda leaves a plate of condoms oh, yeah. for Miranda. The Virgin Mary was meant to be in the middle of the condoms. <laughs> like in the original cut, she'd made like a shrine of condoms. <laughs> and basically the people, the bosses at HBO bottled it and just I said... Mean, that is quite a um, provocative image, isn't it? <laughs> like <laughs> It is. So, so in the end, she just has a plate of condoms rather than a shrine of condoms. <laughs> I wrote down a note about Samantha... Um, mm. The moment, I think that the moment when Samantha looks in the mirror doing her makeup and says, these bitches need to be put in their places, <laughs> I think that's the moment she became a gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I beg to differ. I think she was since the very first episode. I mean, but, yeah, yeah. But that yeah, cemented, um, her, cemented her status, should we say. I love the idea that in a darkened room, Samantha sits and prunes her eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, it was so like, it was so over the top, wasn't it? I like the fact that maybe she has a special room for it as well. And it's <laughs> in a basement. And the only thing in the room is a stool and the illuminated mirror. <laughs> yeah, and like one light. <laughs> yeah, just ridiculously camp. Cool. Yeah. So that's Well, that. I think I think we we have really set the world to rights with this episode. <laughs> yeah. We have again we have fixed the world. Yeah, I wasn't really expecting it, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, like I've said this is it's uh, sometimes the nothingy episodes can actually unlock mm. 
because, I mean, you know, nothing ground-shaking happens in this episode. But again, there was there was a missed opportunity for someone to say, Carrie, the problem isn't Natasha. The problem is that women are pitted against each other. Yeah. And nobody says it. Yeah. Except us. Except us. And that's why we have a podcast. That's all for this week. Do join us next week for Season 3, Episode 4, Boy Girl, Boy Girl, where we will be joined by influencer and all-round wonderful personality, Essie Dennis. Until then, I'm at Juno Dawson. I'm at Dylan B. Jones, LDN. And we are both at S-I-G-T-T Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to like and subscribe. It really does help. And we'll see you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.